Colossians chapter 2. Wow, how do you follow a youth conference like that, a youth rally like that? Uh, It's really hard to uh, even think of what else. You know, sometimes, uh, I hate to take away from preaching, sometimes we need more preaching. Wouldn't you agree? We, we need more of God's Word than less of God's Word. We need to be more in fellowship with God's people than less in fellowship with God's people. But at the same time, sometimes I believe that we go from message to message to message to message, and then we go home and turn on YouTube and listen to all of our favorite preachers. And that's great, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I praise the Lord for that. That's a good thing. I'd rather you turn on that on YouTube than all the other trash that you could turn on on YouTube. But I believe there should come a point in our walk with the Lord where we actually spend some time and chew on what we've heard and meditate upon what the Lord has done in our heart rather than just listening to something else to cover up what we just listened to. And the Lord never has an opportunity to take what we heard for everybody and allow the Spirit of God to apply it directly to your heart and to my heart. Um, so that, that was not in the notes. It's not what we're talking about exactly this morning. But I'm saying that to say this. Wow. What a great youth rally, and what, what great preaching, and I hope you don't forget what you heard. I hope you allow the Spirit of God to take some time and work that thing over in your heart and to point out some things in your life that, that you can do something about. You can't do anything about the government. You can't do anything about the stuff that's going on in our world today. You can't do anything about how wicked our world has become, but you can do something about your walk with the Lord. And I would like to talk about that a little bit this morning. Colossians chapter 2, and we've been sitting for a while. Let's stand just for a moment. Let's stand. Read this together. I know you guys got my pen out, and I just got my Bible open. I had it sitting in my lap. Okay, we'll we'll survive. Colossians chapter (coughs) 2. And let's just read, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, For I would that ye knew how great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and into all riches of the full assurance of understanding, I hope you have that today, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ." As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How do we do that? Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Can you read with me verse 6 and 7 out loud together? As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, <coughs> Lord, I need you this morning. God, you know I'm afraid. Lord, you know I'm, I'm nervous. God, you know that I am not capable of taking the eternal word of God and ministering it to our hearts. Lord, I'm not capable of knowing the need of the hearts that are in here this morning. But God, I'm just asking that you'll take the, the word of God and you'll bless it today. Bless your word Help us, Lord, to listen. God, please help us to get something today that will help us. And, Lord, to help us have a closer walk with you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
I'm convinced this morning that although you may come from a very busy and a very active church, uh, my wife and I, we've been privileged to be able to travel the country and be in a lot of churches, and there are not many churches like your church. There are not many churches that would bring their young people this many miles to come to a youth rally and hear Bible preaching and then stay for Sunday and enjoy fellowship. And even being in a great church and doing a lot for the Lord, I am convinced that far too much of our Christian life is superficial. What do I mean? I mean it is depthless. It's external. It's skin deep. We, we tend to have a cosmetic relationship with the Lord, and there's no depth to it. There's no genuine, personal, daily relationship with a God that you love personally. It's just we do this because this is what we do and this is where we go because this is where we're going together as a group and this is how we dress because this is how I'm supposed to dress when I come here. And not much of our Christian life is beneath the surface something that nobody can see except you and the Lord. And we would look at each other and, and, and we would say, wow, that person's doing great. Wow, that person memorized all the verses. Wow, that person, man, they can, they can preach at the nursing home and they're doing a great job singing for the Lord. But we don't value what's beneath the surface because no one else can see it. And so we don't spend much time on it. And I think we're doing the Lord a terrible injustice. And I think we're also doing that to ourselves. I would like to look this morning. Verse, look, look at verse number six again. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? Amen. Right? How did you do that? You had faith. In the Lord, the Bible says repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What does the Bible say? Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. That's how you received the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so, what does that mean? In the same way as you were saved, walk ye in Him. You see that? When you get saved, that is not supposed to be the end of your confidence in the Lord. That's supposed to be the beginning. When you get saved, that's not supposed to be the ending point. Okay, I did the deed. Okay, I got saved. Okay, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not going to hell. That should be the very beginning of your foundation of faith in your walk with the Lord. If you are going to move forward and if you are going to grow and if you are going to have a deeply rooted relationship with God, it's got to be by a continual lifestyle of belief and confidence and faith in the Lord and in his word. Why is that important? How are we supposed to walk? Verse number seven, rooted and built up in him. You know, I've heard a lot in my, in just in my short years of ministry and dealing with people and working with people, I hear people all the time say, God knows my heart, right? God knows that I love him and I worship him. And yeah, I'm a little rough around the edges, but I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. God didn't save you so you could stay rough around the edges. 
Stop making excuses for all the things on the outside that aren't the way God wants them to be. Okay, so the idea here, we have a picture of a tree. And I was going to draw it for you over here, but I can't even draw stick figures. So I'm not even going to worry about trying to do that because you wouldn't even know what it is. Don't invite me to play Pictionary with you because you will lose. (laughs) But the idea here is of a tree. And what you see of a grand Florida, I love Florida, I was raised in Florida, Florida's my favorite place. But if you see a big, grand, sprawling oak tree, that tree is only there because there's equally the amount of tree beneath the ground that you don't see that's supporting what you can see. And that's the idea we have here in the book of Colossians. The Lord said, rooted and built up. Now here's the problem. So many Christians say, well, Jesus knows my heart. Jesus knows that I love him. Why don't you show some of that? Why don't you allow what you claim is on the inside to begin to work its way out and manifest itself in your life to something that people can see? We, we like to look, and we're going to look, we're going to spend most of our time this morning on the rooted part, but we often skip the built up part. Young guys, you know, us guys, we, we like cars, right? How many of you guys like cars? Okay, some of you like some some of you like cars, some of you love cars. If you saw a car drive by, that's a nineteen sixty-seven spider. And all you guys who love cars say that's not even a real car, dude, all right? Because I, I don't know cars. But you who do, you say, Wow, that car is built. What do you mean by that? It's not stock anymore. It's not the same way it was when you drove it off the lot. Somebody put some work into that thing. Somebody built that thing up. Somebody labored to tune that thing and make sure everything's running, running properly. And everything. Look, they don't just put spinners on it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't see a car with spinners on it and say, wow, that car's built. Boy, I bet you I'd lose if I raced that guy. No. But if you looked underneath the hood, you would say, wow, look at all this. He's got, he's got. okay, I don't even know because I don't, I, don't, I don't know all that stuff, but you do. Some of you ladies. Uh oh. Hey, did you see that guy? Man, he's built. <laughs> what do you mean? He's not stock. <laughs> you know what? Somebody's put some time and some effort and some pointless labor. Okay, it's not all pointless, okay? Bodily exercise, profitive, all right? Somebody put some work into being built. And the Lord said, I want you to do the same thing with me. How come is it we we want to be built in our finances and we want to be built in our social life and we want to be built in all these different things in the world and nobody looks God's way and says, I want to be built up in the Lord. I want people, when they look at my life, they don't just see a stock Christian. A plain Jane, I'm saved and on my way to heaven and that's it. That's not what the Lord wants you to be. The Lord wants you to be built up not in your, not, the Lord didn't even say here, I don't want you to be built up in church. The Lord didn't say, I want you to be built up in your Bible reading, though that's great. The Lord didn't say, I want you to be built up in your ability to preach the Bible. The Lord said, I want you to be built up in a personal relationship with the person, with me. So that when your, as your life grows, people see Jesus in you. Built up in him. Do you care at all about putting any effort into your Christian life, into your walk? Not not being a Christian, but your walk with the Lord and being built up in Him. That's what the Lord said here. Being built up in Him. 
established in the faith. Now, the flip side is also true. You cannot be built up in the Lord without having roots that are equally as deep. We tend to, you know, bless God, independent, King James, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist. We tend to lean a whole lot on what people see on the surface. Have you ever seen, walking through, we, we took our teenagers for a hike and we love going through and seeing alligators and all these different things and seeing all the different trees that we have down here in Florida. But how many times have you seen a big sprawling oak tree and it's just, fall, it's just laying over? How in the world can such a big, strong oak tree, you used to be able to climb in that thing and build a treehouse in that thing, and now it's laying on the ground. Why is that? Because there was no roots Because there wasn't enough beneath the surface to hold that thing up when a storm came or when when something pushed against it. Young people, I'm telling you this. There's nothing wrong with dressing right. Praise the Lord. I hope you do. There's nothing wrong with carrying around a King James Bible. I hope you do. There's nothing wrong with singing and nothing wrong with preaching the Bible and nothing wrong with doing all the external things God wants us to do. The Lord wants us to do those things. But if you're doing all of those things and you have no beneath the surface walk with the Lord, you are setting yourself up for failure. I want to ask you a question. How much time do you spend alone with God in prayer? That'll that'll show you how deep your roots are. How much do you give to the Lord? Do you give to missions? See, all of that is something that no one else is supposed to be able to see. But all of that is you just reaching down and grabbing a hold of the Lord in a deep relationship. And it's something no one else can see, but it is the very strength of your Christian life. How sad is it to see a young preacher boy on fire for God, doing something for the Lord, preaching the Bible in nursing homes and going to rescue mission and preaching on the street, and then you find out that they fell. A young lady on her way to the mission field find out that she fell why is that it's not because they didn't have anything on the surface the problem is they didn't have a deep rooted relationship with the lord beneath the surface let me show you i don't know anything about trees but i want to show you a few things about trees this morning let me read let me read you some things i thought this is pretty interesting Here's an article on root disease. I didn't even know trees could get sick, okay, but trees can get sick. Listen to this article. This is incredible. For root diseases in general, impact is often unrecognized. It is slow, steady, consistent, not epidemic outbreaks. It is widespread, well-distributed. Detection of these diseases are difficult and uncertain. Levels of root rot are always higher than can be estimated by above-ground symptoms. You know what that means? When there's some disease going on beneath the, beneath the surface in the root system, you can hide it from everybody. 
But it's beneath the surface is rotting your very relationship with the Lord and it's causing you to set, set yourself up to fall. The Lord doesn't want you to do that. There are, there are three different ways that these diseases can, can have an impact on a tree. First of all, this is called mortality. This is the root collar is completely choked out by the disease or enough of the root system is compromised so as to cause mechanical failure of the superstructure. What that means is there's not enough beneath the surface to hold up the tree. And there's a lot of Christians that way. It's just a matter of time before some winded doctrine blows them over. It's just a matter of time before some peer pressure pushes them over. It's just a matter of time before the ground collapses beneath them because there's nothing holding them up and they fall into sin and will never be the same again. You know why? It wasn't because they weren't built up on the outside where everybody could see them with their King James Bible in church. It was because they did not have their own personal relationship with God. And young people, we've got to be careful that our Christian life is just superficial. Just superficial. Let me show you something. I was really... Go to, go to Luke chapter 22. I was really debating on what to do this morning. I would like to be able to go through the Bible and study out roots in the Bible. There's a really interesting study there. Let me just read you a few verses while you're turning to Luke 22. Proverbs 12, 3 says, A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of righteousness shall not be moved. You want to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? Have some righteous roots beneath the surface. Have a holy relationship with God. Have some inward character. Have some principle within. Something not just on the outside where you do right when people are looking, but something on the inside that says, I want to do right because I love the Lord. God says those roots will help you stay steadfast. Proverbs 12, verse 12, The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. Do you want to be a fruitful Christian? You've got to have some roots. It's not going to happen just with all the external branches you've got upstairs. You have, to, you have to spend time alone with your Savior beneath the surface in a way that no one else can see. And the Bible says that the, the fruit of the Spirit will begin to manifest itself in your life. Not because you went and preached on the street, but because you spent some time alone with your Savior and have a relationship with Him. It's important. You can write down Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. Deep roots will keep you from being affected by your surroundings. Daniel chapter 4, verses 6 through 17. There was a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord said, because of his pride, because he's boasting in all that he's got going on upstairs, the Lord said, I'm going to cut him down. But the Lord said, if he's, if he's got a little bit of root left, and that little bit of root gets hungry and thirsting for water. The Lord says, I can make it sprout again. The Bible says the same thing in Job chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. Now look at Luke chapter 22. I want to spend just the next few minutes of our time right here. 
Well, we're moving into, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus, when he, when he fulfilled his earthly ministry, now he's, he's done with his earthly ministry. Now he's turning and making, a, making a, a, a turning point where now he's going to move to his cross work that he's going to do. So this is the day of Passover. They're, they're preparing for the Passover. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 and verse number 1, Now the feast of the unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called Passover. Chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Um, verse number 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. So what Jesus was going to do is now he's not going to deal with the world. Now what he's doing in Luke 22, he's not dealing with with the multitudes of people that came to see his miracles. Now what he is doing is he's turning and he's he's setting aside a place where he can spend alone with his disciples. This is not between them and everyone else. This is just between them and the Lord. And they're going to do this in the upper room. Let me give you some of the benefits of the upper room. We're not, we're not going to look at them all this morning because of time, but I just want to give you these. In verse number 14 through 20, the first, the first benefit that we see of the upper room experience, when they got alone with their Savior, here's the first benefit, the remembrance of suffering. Jesus explains to them, here's all that's going to happen. I'm going to go. I'm going to be crucified. And when I rise again, I want you to do this. What we're doing right now, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. When you get alone with your Savior, the first thing it should do for you is to remind you of his suffering. If Jesus did not suffer and die on that cross for your sin that separated you from God, that veil that separated man from God would not have been rent. And you would have absolutely no access to God were it not for his suffering. Your personal relationship with God reminds you of that. Number two, in verse 21 through 23, there's the revelation of sin. Jesus specifically pointed out in that group the problem that needed to go. What about in your heart, in your life? Do you ever get alone with God after hearing great preaching and say, Lord... Will you take this and point out an area in my life that needs to be adjusted and fixed? It's no wonder we have all kinds of problems in our Christian life and unfaithfulness and sin because we never get along with our Savior and let him tell us where we're wrong. The next thing we see in verses 24 through 30, there were proof to his disciples to be servants. They were like, which of us is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Which of us is going to be exalted? And the Lord Jesus said, hey, that's how the world thinks. I don't want you to think that way. You know where they got that idea? Not from going out and preaching, not from going out and helping, giving, giving bread to the multitudes. They got that from getting alone with their Savior. In verses 31 through 32, we have the remedy for the attacks of Satan. I wonder if the reason why so many young people fall against the wiles of the devil is because they didn't get along with the Lord and get the remedy that he offered. The remedy for the attacks of Satan. Verse 33 through 38, remember Peter, he stands up, you know, big blabbermouth Peter. Verse 33 through 38, a reality check for the overconfident. Listen, if you think you've got this Christian life figured out, If you'll get alone with God and spend any time with him, you're going to realize really quickly you don't have anything figured out. You need him. Getting alone with God will help you do that. John chapter 13, we're not going to go there, but in John chapter 13, you remember, there was the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
And I don't know how it worked. I don't know if Jesus said, hey, all these other guys, they're just annoying the tar out of me. I love you. Will you come sit next to me? Put a buffer between me and Peter, please. Or maybe the disciple whom Jesus loved said, hey, Jesus, can you sit next to me? I don't know how it worked. But when they got alone in that upper room, that disciple got to lean on Jesus' bosom. It blows my mind. He got to hear the very heartbeat of God when they got alone in that upper room. You want to have the wisdom to make decisions? You want to know the will of God for your life? You want to know where God wants you to spend your time and effort and talent? Get alone with him and hear his heartbeat. That'll give you what you need. But before they could have all of these benefits, there were some prerequisites. What is that? We're just going to look very quickly. Number one, look at verse number eight. Now, these are not alliterated. These are just points from the outline or points from the Bible, okay? Look at verse eight. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. You've got to be willing to stop what you're doing to set aside that time to spend with your Savior. If you're too busy to spend time alone with God, you're too busy. You got to do that. Look at verse number nine. And they said unto him, where? Where wilt thou that we prepare? They didn't just say, all right, let's go and let's just do whatever we want to do. No, they started asking questions. They started getting interested. Have you ever just got alone with God and asked him some genuine questions because you cared about your walk with him? Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, how do you want me to live? Lord, Ask questions. Be genuinely interested in your walk with the Lord. Look at verse 10. And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. You've got to be willing to obey the Lord and do what he said, even if it doesn't make any sense. Follow the Lord. Obey him. Do what he said. And it will prove to be true. Verse 11, and ye shall say to the goodman of the house, The master saith to thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And ye shall show you a large upper room. Where did they go? The Lord said, Go into the city. Booming, bustling traffic, all these things going on. And he said, Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to get above all of that. You find that upper chamber and you get alone there. Young people, you got to get above sports. Nothing wrong with sports, but if your whole life is consumed with it, you need to get in an upper room. Social activity, nothing wrong with it. You've got to get in an upper room. Get above all of that for a little while and spend time with your Savior. A large upper room, furnished. I love that. Everything that was needed for them to spend that time with their Savior was already done. It was already a furnished place. Everything that we need to spend time with the Lord has already been done by Him. He just wants us. Look what the last words are. Look at, look at the last three words of verse 12 and we're done. There make ready. This upper room, this time alone with their Savior, was a prepared place. Teenagers, you are not going to grow in your walk with the Lord by accident. You have got to have a prepared place that you spend with your Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Bible. Thank you for its truth. Lord, I'm just asking you that you'll you'll work in our hearts. Lord, help us. God, please help us to see the importance, not just of showing ourselves to be Christians on the outside, 
But God, I pray that we'll have a root system. We'll have a personal walk with you, Lord, that'll help us and give us the strength that we need to live for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Blake. Young people, what do you, what do you talk about this morning? so important. We've heard great preaching this week. I'm sure you've made some decisions in response to that preaching this week. But how is it that those decisions are going to translate into a life that is changed, that is different moving forward, something that sticks, something that remains? It's Romans chapter 12. You're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Life change starts with hearing a message responding to a message, making a decision, that's all the right thing. And so important, that's why we invest in having a youth rally. But but life change has to go farther than where it starts, okay? And that's just you being consistently and faithfully in fellowship with the Lord on a daily basis.